Can zero shoes help you survive the zombie apocalypse or the upcoming nuclear meltdown? I don't know what that is. Or something else that you might need to survive. We're going to talk to an expert about that in a weird way. On today's episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who like to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first, those things at the end of your legs. And we break down the propaganda, the mythology, and the sometimes outright lies you've been told about what it takes to walk or run or play or do yoga or CrossFit or whatever it is you like to do. And to do those things enjoyably and effectively and efficiently. And did I say enjoyably? I know I did. It's a trick question if you, any, for anyone who's watched this podcast, because look, if you're not having a good time, you're not going to keep it up. So make sure you're having a good time. Simple as that. I'm Stephen Sashin, co-CEO, co-founder of Zero Shoes. I'm wearing the t-shirt to prove it. And we call this the movement movement because we, and that includes you, I'll tell you how in a second. It's really easy. It doesn't cost anything. We are creating a movement about natural movement, having your body do what it's made to do, not getting in the way and interfering. And the way you can participate is really easy. Just spread the word. So give us a thumbs up, like us, hit the bell icon on YouTube, review us and give us five stars, of course, or head to our website, www.jointhemovementmovement.com. There's nothing you need to do to join, although you can subscribe to hear about new episodes. You can find all the previous episodes. You can find out where to interface with us on social media. And you can find if you're not happy with where you're getting this podcast, other places you might be able to get it. So that's the just in short. Look, if you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. All right, let us get started. Austin, do me a favor. Tell people who you are, what you're doing here, and what they may recognize you from. Hello. Yeah, I'm Austin. I So you might know me from Survivor Season 45. It just came out. Finale aired in uh, December. I also have a, a shirt to prove it, 45 on it. But yeah, honestly, Zero Shoes is a huge reason why not only I was able to do really well on the show, I ended up getting second place. So spoilers if you haven't seen anything, but Damn you, man. Just, <laughs> sorry, I should have said spoilers first off, but uh, you know, I'm assuming <laughs> anyone who's listened to this, who knows who I am has already finished the season. And that's on you if you listen to this without seeing the ending, but I got second place and I honestly truly owe a lot of it to zero shoes. I didn't even think I could compete a few years ago. The challenges, they'd freak me out. I'd always be like, literally I'd watch these challenges and I'd be like, I would twist my ankle there. I would break my ankle there. And it wasn't until wearing zero shoes for about four years where I was like, okay, I've got this. Like my ankles, I feel perfectly fine. Was never really worried about it going in. Happy to talk all about that going forward. But yeah, that's a little bit about who I am. We'll talk about all that stuff, but normally I would save the talking about, you know, me till last, but since you brought it up, I want to, I got to ask this question. Wait, I had a question. What the hell? Where did it go? Something about, um, so talk about the things that you were seeing that you thought, oh, this isn't going to work. I'm just dying to know here. Let's just do it this way. I'm dying to know about that process from watching the show to, I think I can do it to the audition. I would definitely want to hear about that. Mm -hmm. And then as we you know, talk about the show, I'm, I, I can't keep a secret. In other words, I have to ask all the questions at once or they fall out of my head. <laughs> um, as a fellow reality TV show person, um, and of course we can talk about what it's like to keep a secret forever, oh my but goodness. also just like what, how, what are the ways that it was completely different than what you imagined? So take any or all of those wherever you want to okay. take it. Let's start. Cause I also, have, I have a pretty bad memory, so there's no way I'll remember all those questions. I'll start that's in the okay. beginning. Between you remember... and me forgetting it all, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Okay. We'll work through it. We've got the whole podcast. We'll get through them all, but yeah. let's start back with the, I guess, process of watching the show falling in love with it and then applying and believing that I can, you know, actually compete on it. So I'm actually pretty late to watching Survivor. So to those of you who 
you know, been fans of Survivor. It's been a show that's gone on for 45 seasons. I'm season 45. There's two seasons a year. There's a little gap during COVID. It started in 2000. And my mom, she's who got me into Survivor. So she started watching Survivor day one, episode one, season one, Borneo, you know, from there, watch every single episode, huge super fan. But, you know, as a kid, because I'm 27 now. So when that came out, I was four years old. So I wasn't really big on Survivor. And growing up as a kid, I was like, I would rather play video games. I'd rather watch hockey games. I didn't really care too much about reality TV. I had no interest. But then 2019 came around. And finally, I remember coming back home for winter break. I see my mom sitting on the couch because she would always watch all these reality shows by herself. Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race, everything. And she would always watch it alone because no one wanted it. She had two boys and a husband. <laughs> None of us were interested in watching reality TV. So I remember one winter break, I came home. I just felt a little bad. I was like, all right, I'll sit and I'll watch Survivor with you. So I sat and watched Survivor and immediately got hooked. So I was like, this is the greatest show, the greatest game in the world. I started from the beginning and I've watched every single season. And it took one season. After I watched my first season, I was like, I need to play this game. Like this is the ultimate adventure I feel like it's my life calling almost to play this game. Um, but one thing that kind of held me back, and that's where Zero Shoes came in, is I, I played a lot of volleyball growing up, and I would always mess up my ankle. Not always. It happened my junior year of high school. I got a really bad tear where I tore three of the ligaments in my ankle. The other one was already partially torn, too. It took several months to fully recover. But even still, like I had just instability in my ankle, and then like, I would pick pick up basketball and then just the slightest tweak, like I'd step on someone's foot and immediately, bam, I'd go down and it, it'd mess it up. And I just never was able to fully heal my ankle for the longest time. And I always wanted to obviously get it healed up. But then now watching Survivor, there's an extra reason. It was like, I need to improve my ankle if I were ever to play this life dream of mine of a game. So then I looked into ways to strengthen your ankle passively just by walking around, just doing everything that you normally do while also just working to, to strengthen the muscles around. And I got introduced to barefoot shoes, to zero shoes, put those on, and then wore it for about almost three years until I applied uh, for the second time in 2022. So I applied for the first time 2020. At this point, I'd watched like 10 seasons, didn't get a call back, um, spent the next two years working on myself, training, obviously also strengthening my ankles, applied again in 2022. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. Actually, let's talk about the history for a second. So you, and thank you for all, all the name dropping for us or the uh, name checking for us. What <laughs> Mike Gabler was wearing his ear shoes in his. Yeah. Season. Yeah. That I, was love really I love that. And, and, and FYI, the way that I got introduced to Mike is the same way that I got introduced to you by someone like freeze framing on their VCR, VCR, who has a VCR anymore <laughs> on their DVR. And then taking a picture and sending it going, oh, those zero shoes? So that's how it began for me and Gabler and you and me. Man, I can't talk this morning. <laughs> no, it's funny because the, the shoes I wore were, it's like an older style that I don't think is being sold anymore on the zero shoe website. It looks like the Denver. It's oh. kind of mid-top. It was green as hemp. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Toronto. So yeah, Toronto, we're, bringing, yeah. We're, yeah, we're bringing that back in a new and improved version. Yes. Yeah. I've been dying to get some more of those. Uh, you know, them. we've wanted a high top sneaker for a while. We had that one. You know, here's the thing. Everything that we, this is just about me, me for a second. 
every shoe that we've had to discontinue, because typically because we ran in a warehouse space, has been somebody's favorite, not infrequently mine. <laughs> and so we're at a point now where we're revisiting some of those, especially on the casual side, but blah, 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 yeah. blah. So when you said you auditioned twice, what's the audition process for people who, because now, see, here's the thing. A good reality show does exactly what you described. People, A, some people just watch it because they like it. But mm -hmm. when it's really good, people watch it go, either imagining, they just imagine doing it. Exactly. And they often imagine doing better than whoever's on the show. <laughs> same thing for Shark Tank, same thing for Survivor. So the audition for me was pretty straightforward. We There's two ways you could do a live audition at a, an event, or you could just send in an email. And I sent in an email. I then made a video that I sent in. Mm. Nobody saw that one. Then we had like a two-hour interview, and they said, fill out this big ridiculous form <laughs> that's this big application form in fact after that there was like an uh, they asked us to make a different video i'm shortening the story dramatically and then they sent us the contract and in the contract one of the lines is that we are indemnifying we're holding the production company harmless if we die on set yeah lane is like how would we die on set and they said <laughs> You know, Mark Burnett, it's the same company that does Survivor. So a lot of the stuff in the contract is from Survivor. That's so you so sign funny. me, you're not going to... Yep. And for Survivor, it's almost expected. It's okay. Of course, they're going to have a death clause because it's Survivor. We're starving. We're throwing right. ourselves over these massive obstacles. We could die, but luckily they've got a good track record. So we all felt... Yeah. I, I, I don't want to actually make this a suggestion, but boy, if they want to increase viewership, someone's got to kick the bucket. I don't know. I don't know about that. That could, well, that could be trouble. Human beings are not kind. I came up with an idea. I worked at an amusement park performing for a couple of years. And I thought one of the ways they could really increase like ridership and attendance is that at the beginning of the season, they get a sniper, like a million bullets, but only one of them is a live round. And every time that they come down, the people are coming down in the roller coaster, he has already randomly selected one seat that he's going to shoot at the bottom of the hill. You're saying that would make you want to ride roller coasters more? No, it's going to make people want to go to the park because he, because the odds of you actually getting hit are infinitesimally small. Yes. But the odds of you seeing someone feels like it's much greater. <laughs> so You're saying you'll go to stand in front of the roller coaster to watch it. Yeah. You yeah. And happen. then, of course, they're already in the park. And so that's my completely insane thought oh. that now is going to get me canceled from something. I feel like that could work for a specific type of small, like a Halloween special. Oh, there you go. Park opens up, has this thing. Maybe no one dies because maybe not a million shots will be fired over this weekend. But right, no, because it's a, it would be one time every time the roller coaster goes. So basically, it's, I don't know what it is. Let's call it twenty a day, something like that. It's again, the odds seem really low. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, back. In up. So what's the audition process like for Survivor? What do you have to do? So a lot of what you said, there, there's a lot of overlap. So it starts out, we send a three minute video. I actually sent mine, it was five minutes and uh, it was okay. They watched it through, but then they ended up editing it down. You start with a video you send in and you wait for a callback. If you get a callback, they're like, hey, like we like you, we need more information about you. They give you an initial like 20 page packet that you answer with all these questions that range from like, who's your favorite past player? Who do you think you'll play most like? All the way to what do your friends describe you as? Like, how do you describe yourself? Like, what are you going to miss most on the island? Who would you bring on a loved one's visit? And it dives into so they understand who you are, how you want to play. They'll ask, obviously, like, why do you want to play Survivor? Stuff like that. And then also just basic bio things about yourself. You submit that in. And if they like you, they continue calling you. You have like hours of phone calls with the different casting producers. Afterwards, they pitch you to the whole team. 
and they create a list of semi-finalist applicants. I don't know how many of those, but once you get through that, then it's okay. Now we're going to have the psych test, the IQ test. You have to do some blood work. You've got to have Zoom call interviews with the producers, like the Jeff Probst and the like up, the, up there. And you make it through all those. You have a few more hour-long Zoom calls. And then they, they narrow it down to their final list or like the, the final round. You make it to the final round. You then fly to L.A., you go through a few more interviews. We did the little swim test is really basic. And then afterwards you wait. And in between, it's like you have, it goes like you have a spur of a bunch of interviews. Then you don't hear anything for three weeks. And then during that time, the entire time, like, okay, are they ghosting me? Cause I'm out of the process. Or are they ghosting me? Cause they're still considering, cause they don't really tell you anything. That could be pretty annoying for them having a hundred people like in their messages, nonstop, you know, what is the, what's the update? What's the update? What's the update? So they just don't say anything until they have something to say. And you're just waiting on the edge of your seat for the process for me went from August all the way until March. So, oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy town. So like for us, we got, had the first interview in the end of May and then we Got through all that process, I don't know, by middle of June, maybe. And they said, it's going to be like seven or eight weeks till we call you. And then two weeks later, we need you here in three days. Whoa. And we don't know if that was because (laughs) television's disorganized or they just wanted to keep you on your toes and have you a little off center. It could be a combo. I don't know. I feel like it is a combo. I think they like us to be surprised. Yeah. I think there's definitely that component. And so when did you end up actually taping? So we filmed in April and May. So it's a month or so filming. They fly us out to, to Fiji five days before to like transition to get onto the show and to make sure we're not going to get pneumonia and stuff, get used to the climate, sleeping outside kind of deal. And so it, the finale was December. So mm-hmm. you had, let's call it five and a half months or so of, if you say a word to anybody, you owe us $5 million. Exactly. And you even got the money. Yeah. On the, it was on the same the thing for us. Yeah. So, so what was that? Look, people knew you were gone. You were gone for a month. So for us, we were just gone for a couple of days. We couldn't tell anybody. We couldn't use our phones. We couldn't tell anyone we were in LA. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but then that was it. We were just gone for a couple of days. You were gone for a month. People (laughs) must have suspected something. Yeah. And uh, actually, my story for this is is a little unique because I was told I was not going to play. I was told I was going to be the alternate for my my season. So basically, there's nine guys and nine women who are casted onto each season. And there's one guy and one woman alternate. So like the 10th guy, 10th woman. And basically, we have to do everything that the actual players do. We have to send in wardrobe, get that all approved, do all the blood work, get all our vaccines, go to Fiji and go through all the orientation stuff. And then when everyone starts the game, us two leave and we just go back home. So I thought I was only going to be gone for 10 days or so. So I was telling all my buddies, I was like, hey, like I'm going to a wedding in China. I'm not going to have my phone or reception. So I'll just be back in 10 days. I had midterms coming up. So I brought like my study material. So like when I was preparing for the game, I was just studying for my midterms until I was told three days before the game started, I was already in Fiji. Hey, this dude who was going to play, he's not playing anymore. You're in. And I had a five minute phone call with my mom being like, Hey, I need you to drop me out of school right now. I'm not coming back. My roommates knew that I was going to be an alternate survivor because they also signed the NDA, but I was able to tell them. So uh, I relied on them to keep, figure out how to keep it on lockdown until I got back. And thankfully nothing spread, nothing got posted online, nothing too crazy happened. So I was able to keep that hidden. 
we had a thing where we were at a family event and friends of our family who are entrepreneurs were coming up to us and saying, you should be on Shark Tank. That would be really great. Now, we had already yeah. taped. and we, But of course, for us, after you tape Shark Tank, you don't know if you're actually going to be on because they tape more episodes than they, or segments than they actually use. So it's, you guys should be on Shark Tank. And we're, we're just going, wow, that sounds like a great idea. I wonder how you apply. I don't know how this works. Meanwhile, my mom, who can't keep a secret, is just like sitting there going, <laughs> shut up, lady. That was pretty entertaining. And yeah. the first time I encountered that, we'll have, we'll, here we'll talk reality for a while, was on Top Chef. So one of the guys who was on one of the early episodes of Top Chef, uh -huh. early seasons, is a guy who's got a restaurant here in town, oh, and wow. Jose Rosenberg. And so we we weren't really following the show until he was like maybe four shows left till the end of the season, and we all started watching. And then he decided to have a watch party for the finale. So we all show up at this bar, and he's sitting like right behind me, and we're checking him out through the whole thing, and he just looks like the most depressed guy you've ever seen in the world. Oh, no. He's not looking happy at all. Just sat there, didn't drink his drink, didn't eat his food. And oh. everyone's happy around him, but he's like completely morose. And literally, like the commercial break before they announced the winner, we're thinking, we should leave because this is going to be a nightmare once they announce that he didn't win. And they announce that he won. And the place wow. goes insane. And the people who went the most insane were his roommates who had no idea. Holy. <laughs> he had that is next level. Up. Hiding it from people that you live yeah. with 24-7 is yeah. tough. He had been keeping that secret for six months and no idea. It was brilliant. It was utterly brilliant. Wow. <laughs> That's all. See, I almost had that. I didn't tell my family. My parents didn't know. We watched the finale together and I was getting votes at the end. Like for people who, who are watching, who, who've seen the season, I was two votes away from getting first place. The votes are coming out. They're like, oh my gosh, has Austin been lying to me this whole time? Does he actually win? Um, and then I lost, but yeah. I heard an Olympic silver medalist refer to herself as the world's best loser. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that a little bit, very close, especially this kind of goes deeper into Survivor. The past several seasons, oftentimes the final vote at final tribal council is seven votes to the winner, one vote to second place. But yeah. as a second place finisher, I got three votes. Felt like a, a good win. A good, good on you. On the, yeah. there, there's interesting uh, research on that for uh, Olympians that the happiest person is the is not the gold medalist. Happiest person, bronze medalist. I've, I think I've read that because then it's like you're so close to not getting any medals. And then like the least happy second place because they're exactly. like almost one. But yeah. uh, no, I, I was happy with everything. So no, I didn't, especially because I didn't know I was going to play until three days before. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Here's another sort of semi-reality thing. I, I don't know how I found this out. I talked to someone who had been on Jeopardy and didn't do well and said, the secret is the button. Because what happens, what people don't know is after the question is read, there's a little light that goes off and you can only hit the button after the light goes off. If you hit it before, they lock you out for something like a quarter second. Whoa. So I told this to a friend of mine who was a, he was a writer, a nonfiction writer, and he liked to explore really interesting things. And he was a very smart guy. So he got on Jeopardy after I told him about this and he came back afterwards and said, it's goddamn button, man. It's the damn button. And people have since reported that. But the point of my bringing that up is there's always some unexpected thing that's what makes the thing work that no one knows about till you get there and no one can really relate to because they haven't been there. What was that like? Or what's the analogous version of that for Survivor? So Survivor, a lot of the people who watch Survivor and who want to play it and who play it now are like super fans. They study yeah. the game. So they yeah. know 
they're like, okay, I'm going to get into this. And I'm, I know I'm going to have to break some hearts. I know I'm going to have to deal with being starved and like to train. I, I didn't eat for three days just to see what it would be like and stuff. So people are taking this really seriously and they're trying to get as mentally, physically prepared as possible. I think there's a couple things that once you go into the game, it's completely different than when you're watching it. And one of them is like with keeping secrets, it, when you're at home on your couch, it's okay. Obviously, you want to lie about this. You want to lie about that. You don't tell anyone if you find an idol. It's obvious. Duh. When you're right. there, every lie you say, it puts another weight on your shoulders because you have to hold it for a month to everyone who's talking to you. You have to keep track of all these lies that you have in your head. You have to figure out who you, who and when you can tell the truth to. And it's just, it's so much pressure. It makes it so much harder to just be like, I'm going to keep this a secret from everybody because it is like draining to keep a secret from everybody and keeping these different stories straight. So that's one thing. The mental toll is is immense for sure. The hunger, we all expect it. We all practice and try to prepare for it. But you don't realize that 10 days in, you're still running on a thousand calories total and you are caving in. You can't even move. You're thinking like, I remember we were laying in camp once and we were playing, have you ever played 20 questions where you come yeah. up with an idea and everyone... It would, we would be in like question number 50 and we would have no idea what this <laughs> word is. And the word was like flower. So flower. we could not get to it because our, our mental ability was just so depleted. We couldn't even think of the word flower after 50 questions. It was crazy. So just like that level of degradation and then also holding these lies and stories while being in that mental state is, was so much tougher than advertised. If it makes you feel better, I think this is probably not true, but it's a good story anyway. Someone near the end of Freud's life asked him if he had to sum up everything he knew in one sentence, what would it be? And the answer was, secrets will kill you. Actually, I think it was secrets nope. make you sick. That's what it was. Oh, so. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I resonate with that for sure. Um, I can't remember because the episode I saw, I didn't see this. So what kind of secrets were you having to keep? Yeah. So pretty early on in the game, I found this beware advantage, which is this new mechanic in the past five seasons or so survivor. Basically what it says is if you do this series of tasks, you can upgrade this for an idol, be safe at any tribal council, use it on. But until you upgrade it, you don't have a vote. And if you ever go to tribal council, you have no say on who goes home. So at first it's okay. I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm not telling anyone. So then I can upgrade it, do the task. I have an idol no one knows about, which gives you insane power in this Total game. Power, yeah. But the tasks were really brutal and tough. I first had to decode this message, this puzzle that was like on our tribe flag with this slip of paper that had the, the decoding pattern on it. The only issue is it was right in front of camp. And like I said, we're starving. <laughs> we're not leaving camp much. So I had to figure out a way to get everyone away, decode it. Afterwards, the next one was like, you have to dig at the fallen palm tree X. That's what the clue was. And I was digging and digging for days. And you can't really get alone time because on Survivor, right. you leave for a second. Everyone's, oh, this person's gone. They must be looking for idols. So you usually have to go in pairs and in groups and in different groups. And like you can maybe get time away for five minutes if you're like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm just going to go on a walk. I need to clear my head. You, you maybe get five minutes before people start getting really anxious about what you're doing. So trying to balance all that. Eventually, I was like, I just need to get some help on this. I need someone to serve as a watchman while I dig. I need someone to just be able to help me figure out how to get this idol because the days were going by. I still didn't have a vote. And uh, we were just, yeah. So that was that's one of the many lies and one thing that just started weighing on yeah. me. That one's a bitch because you bring anyone else into the equation. They know you're trying to do the yeah. tasks. 
that's when they could kick you out and you have yeah. no say. Yeah, that's the thing about the show when I watch it. I'm just not good at lying to people or more accurately, they can tell if I'm trying to hold something back. Yeah. I'm just not good at that. And there's some players who are like that and they do well. Emily on our season, uh, she would always say she's a really bad liar. And I don't think she's a terrible liar, but people own up to those things. And yeah. when you're known as someone who can't lie, it's way easier to get friends because they're like, okay, this person's going to shoot me straight and I'll know if they're lying to me. So you can work most things to your advantage, but I think with this game, what makes it so cool is that every advantage is a disadvantage and every disadvantage yeah. is an advantage yeah. in another way. So no, that's the thing. Yeah. For, for me watching the show, it's, I can't imagine my, I can imagine myself doing all the challenges, but all the, everything in between, it's like my brain just doesn't go there. It's like, it's like obstacle course races. I like all the obstacles. I just want to do the race part because yeah. the race involves up to 5k worth of running. And I'm a sprinter, man. I don't do that. Just give me all the obstacles. In fact, this weird memory that just popped in my head way before your time, there was a TV show. It was Network Battle of the Stars. So oh, yeah. Was, okay. So a handful of celebrities doing these contests, either one team against the other, sometimes individual, but it was crazy shit. But the whole time as a kid watching, I, I want to be famous just so I could be on that show. I could crush that event but because <laughs> it was just the events. There was nothing else. Yeah. The challenge but, is so much fun. So I, I understand it. That's what originally got me hooked on. So I was like, I want to run the, through these like adult size obstacle courses. When do you get that opportunity? The, one of the episodes that I watched was after someone said, oh my God, Austin's on this thing and he's wearing your shoes. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it's called, but after you, you know, came back from a swim, you had to do one of those little slidey puzzle things. And do you remember, mm. what, do you remember the thing, whatever is that called? the one where we're on the barrels and we're going through the, yeah. the and, and, and I'm looking at everybody. I'm thinking that's not hard. Everyone's brain is gone. <laughs> so that was a, so slide puzzles is one of the puzzles that you really prep on before going on the survivor, at least oh, really, because it's one of those, it's accessible apps on your phone to just do yeah. slide puzzles while you're on the train yeah. or something. That one, they did the little twist where it's like not a typical slide puzzle. You had to fit this thing into the middle, like this square. So right. I, I would say that one is a difficult slide puzzle just because it's something that none of us really practice. But but uh, yeah, I think if had we been fed and well slapped, it would have been a little faster. That one. Was, and so here's the other thing on Shark Tank, of course. When people see our episode, and by the way, for anyone listening who hasn't seen it, zeroshoes.com slash Shark Tank, the, one of the things is every time somebody went out, they cut to us going, what? Which never really happened because we just didn't even care. And they have 12 cameras running that you can't see and you can't see any of them. Wow. So they're always capturing something. In fact, wait, I'm going to do an inside Shark Tank thing that you'll get a kick out of and other people might like too. So there's a thing they do. You walk out, you hit your mark. And before you start and do your little pitch, they go, just wait for a second till we tell you to go because we're just going to make sure all the cameras are in the right place doing the right thing. That's They don't care. All the cameras are totally fine. They're doing it just to see how much you get twitchy and what kind of weird expressions you make and what kind of crazy shit that you can do with your face that they're going to then cut in later. Now, I knew this going in. So I said to Lena, when we get there, hit the mark and just look at everyone and smile. Just remember how really cool it is that we're here and that's it just happy and that's what we did and after 10 seconds they went all right start <laughs> you didn't get what they wanted nothing. i love it i yes. love it yeah see that's one of those things where you don't i mean i didn't know any of those types of things until i was actually playing it afterwards like and watching the episodes back on my tv it's okay wow so that's they're clipping in facial expressions from different time periods a little bit just to, for dramatic effect, it's okay. You got to watch your face because yeah. they're recording 24 seven. So that's the question is like, when you watch the episodes, let me start with this one. Have you watched your whole season? 
I have. I haven't watched it back. I need to do like a binge watch from episode one to the end. I've watched it when they come out and I'll usually watch it one more time. I haven't rewatched the finale yet. But besides that, I've watched everything. Twice. What was your experience watching? I would say watching it was almost as intense as playing it. You're really like, after you play the game, everyone comes up in their head of those different storylines, especially right. their own storyline and what it's going to be told. And the thing is, it's like when you're taking three days of content where they're filming on 15 different cameras and have 24 seven, and they're condensing that into 65 minutes of TV time, they cut so much out. And the first couple episodes, I think, was a huge shock to everyone, just being like, wow, they didn't show that. They didn't show that. They didn't show that. They didn't show that. And then once we get used to that, then it's, oh, my gosh, what are they going to show this next episode? What are they going to show the next episode? And you're just at the mercy of the editors for a while. So that's been scary. My season in particular, I think, for, for my story, I had some really high highs, really good moments that were appreciated by fans. I was getting praised and stuff. And then I also had moments where I got a lot of hate from fans, not because I did anything mean or anything like that, but because I made a move that a lot of people felt was emotional, irrational. I stand by it, but that's besides the point. Like yeah. dealing with fans commenting on your Instagram, saying mean things, making all these crazy posts about you on Twitter and on Reddit. That was like a whole experience trying to get over that being like, listen, these are just some people I shouldn't let myself get affected by that. So it was, it was there's was definitely ups and downs. I think now I'm in an awesome place. I'm really happy with how everything turned out, but it was an intense experience. And I would do a lot of big watch parties and usually watching the episode itself, I would get so invested in the, the moment and the experience. And I would just be like, it'd be so intense that I had only register about half the episode. So I'd end up going back home at night, watching it again in my bed alone, away from people to, to really understand what happened. I'll be curious to see what, how do I want to put this? Uh, here, I'll do it this way. Somebody, so there's a private Facebook group that someone started for people who've been on Shark Tank. I don't know if they've done oh, yeah. like that for you guys. Uh, no, they didn't do it. It was someone who was on the show. Uh -huh. And, they, and that, that person did it because they had made a deal, had signed the NDA. They weren't allowed to talk about anything. <laughs> And we're not having a good experience. And they, after the show, they were emotionally a little wrecked, which yeah. we've seen a lot. Even with people who made deals that they were happy with, they were still wrecked after the show. Yeah. And so because of the NDA, they just needed someone to talk to and just reached out to other people who've been on the show. That was someone who was on season two or season three, I think. I can't remember. Oh, I was season on, yeah. four. Yeah. And so now there's a whole lot of people who are in it. But at one point, someone said, how many of you are still watching the show? And anyone who is more than two seasons out said, nope. Wow. And in part because you know how the sausage is made. Um, and for some people, it was like just traumatic going back. But I think for Elena and for me, it was mostly, it's, yeah, yeah, we know what's going on here. It, 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 I'm, we can't imagine being on the show. We can't imagine either being a, the shark or the bait or the chum and because uh, we know too much. So yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens for you afterwards. Did you have, did they offer or make you do any psychological counseling after the show? Because they did for us. It wasn't necessary. We have a therapist that meets with us throughout the airing of the season. So we can schedule, we're set in once a month, but if you need to do more, you can do more. It ends after the season ends. But I think once again, if you want to do more, you can do more. Nothing was required. It was just a resource they had available. So that was really helpful. I think to some people, they obviously use it a little bit more than others. Other people didn't really need it, but didn't use it. Similar to what you're saying though, I think there are, is a period after playing the game where I'm survivored out. I don't want to watch anything. I don't, I can't. And I've noticed now whenever I watch any show, any reality show, not just Survivor, my mind immediately goes to editing, to production. You can tell. You can tell. Exactly. 
Yeah. And it's less so watching it as, you know, enjoying the game. I still do that, but it's also every time I see, I notice my mind wander and be like, oh, I wonder if this is what actually happened. I wonder when they filmed this. I wonder what they asked to get this kind of thing. So that's been I, I, I had a weird version of that back in the, let's call it late 90s because I can't really remember. Yeah, it was late 90s. I, ho- I co-hosted a television show that was like car talk. So answering questions about cars that are mm-hmm. problems, car problems, but it was about computers. It was called Disc Doctors. And the way we did the show is that the questions that people were asking, we had a producer who would figure out who they wanted to talk to and have asked ask their questions. Or more accurately, people were calling them with questions. They would vet who was going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And more often than eh, maybe half the time, we didn't know the answer to the question off the top of our heads. We had to do the research to figure it out and know we knew what our answer was going to be. When I watched it, it was like, it's a little stilted. I could, I could tell the difference between one that I knew and one that I didn't know. Yeah. Then I listened to Car Talk and I went, son of a bitch, they're the same thing. I <laughs> thought you guys knew everything. I can hear it in the tone of your voice. You had uh, no idea you're reading that off a card and it, it just ruined <laughs> the show for me. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Man. And you, just something you mentioned, I realized, I didn't even think about it. So we taped in 2012, we aired in 2013. We continued to air in reruns. Yep. But in 2013, people were not as willing to express their completely unasked for opinions and ignorant opinions for the sake of being rude as they yep. are now. So we didn't have, the only thing we had was people going, hey, you guys are idiots because you turned down $400,000 or, hey, that thing's just a piece of rubber and string. But it was nothing personal. Yeah. Now, holy crap, they come after you. Yeah, they treat whatever they see, some people, whatever they see on TV as this is Austin at his core. And he is a flawed person in this way and this way. And anyone who thinks differently is an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it really is wild how everyone uh, thinks their usually horrible opinion is so important for everybody to know. It, it really blows my mind. I have a, a little short film video thing that I want to do, and I'll give away one of the jokes that's in it. It has to do with travel, time travel. So some people go to the future, and some at one point says, oh, my God, I'm gonna, when we go back, I'm going to put this all over the internet. And one of the people from the future says the internet, and the other one goes, it's that cat video thing that almost ruined everyone's minds. Oh, my gosh. That's all it, what it started with. Now look at it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So any other things that after you were watching or just like any other kind of behind the scenes things you're legally allowed to talk about that were that are that were surprising? That was surprising. Let's see. Surprising to you or surprising to people who like we, look, we had people who thought that Shark Tank was live. They were stunned that we were they called us that we answered the phones. Wait, aren't you on TV? It's, no. Yeah, that happens also with Survivor. They're like some people think that there's, you know, it's filmed live almost, but Luckily, I don't know, I guess not luckily, but it because so many of the fans have been following it for so many years, I think most people are aware that's not the case. But yeah, but yeah I guess one of the behind the scenes thing that was way tougher than expected, it goes hand in hand a little bit with the lying is you form really tight bonds with the people. You're there for a month. People, because recently Survivor switched the format. It used to be 39 days and you'd get rice every day, stuff like that. They switched it now, 26 days, um, but they made especially the first half of the game, much harder where you don't get any food or assistance. You lose your flint whenever you lose a challenge and they try making it really tough at first. And people are like, oh, wow, 26 days. This is baby survivor. They're not really, they don't have enough time to make real friendships and bonds, but that's not true. I obviously haven't played 39 days, 
maybe 26 is baby survivor. It was very difficult. And we had some really intense friendships and bonds that we made out there that it made it so much harder to make moves against them. Have you been in touch with people from other seasons? Yeah. So I think similar to, so we don't have a Facebook group that you all did for Shark Tank, but there is a very active alumni community. A lot of them will come to our seasons, watch events and watch it with us. I'm planning on going to at least a couple for the following season, just to meet the the new cast, hang out with a a few of my cast members again, because yeah, I guess you trauma bond in a way. And it's always fun to go back, share stories and talk about the new seasons coming up and, and your takes on that. So it's all fun. I'm really excited now that the season's done so much relief with it being over now that A, I can stop keeping secrets, but B, also I can just be a fan again. I can rejoin the community. Yeah. I can hang out with these awesome people who've also played, who've also been following Survivor. So I'm excited for this part a lot. Yeah, it's a similar thing. You have lived through something that very few people have that no one else can really understand. And it is, whether it's trauma bonding or just without the trauma part, just something about that. It's just such a weird situation to be in. And here's the other one. So you haven't had a lot of time to do this, but how often are you recognized when you're just out and about? Yeah. So as the season went on, definitely more and more. I think now it's after the finale, it was at its peak and I'd go out for a couple of drinks. I'd be recognized like five times in in 10 minutes, uh, essentially. And then now... I usually, I've been, I restarted grad school, so I'm back in classes. So I'm in my room right here a lot, either grinding on homework or, you yeah. know, trying to to work on some like content stuff or my, my social medias and stuff. And just, I've just been staying inside a lot. So I don't know, it's hard to tell now, but whenever I go on a walk, anything more than five, 10 minutes, I'll usually get stopped at least once. Yeah. But I'm trying to enjoy it now. I, I love when fans come up and oh, it's I know great. It's pretty soon. Yeah, no, it's great because no one's going to come up. They may, but it'll, it'll be a rare, completely horrible human being who would come up to say something mean to you. And if they do, it's wow, you got some horrible shit going on in your life. And so it's yeah. easy to be compassionate. Yeah. But I guarantee to the extent that you keep a similar look to what you had on the show, which you have, then you will not be able to make it through an airport without being stopped. And, <laughs> and it's a blast. It's a, look, I'm yeah. uh, 10 years out. I haven't in those 10 years, I have not made it through an airport without being recognized. And wow. Now you also got zero shoes, though. There's that. too. There is that. But also, look, I've had a thing. It, it, it's the hair thing. I've had yeah. times where I'm sa- standing with Lena. And somebody will come up and say to her, wasn't he on Shark Tank? And she's like, I was standing right next to him. But she was just a generic, beautiful woman. And I'm the freaky looking, hippie looking dude. So it just has. <laughs> it works out. It's a different um, thing. Yeah, um, no, that that's fun. interesting. I do think that I have a more distinct look with the hair. And now that I never had facial hair until Survivor. And then I didn't shave for a month. And I came out afterwards. I was like, this doesn't look too bad. And I pulled the rest of my cast. Be like, should I keep it? Shave it? Ah, keep it. I was like, all right. So now, now it's my new look. Yeah, May when it finished filming. The hair part is is very entertaining. I was at a trade show and there's a guy walking out of the bathroom as I'm walking into the bathroom who had hair just like mine, except he was about <laughs> six, he was about six three. And as we pass each other without even making eye contact, he just goes, "Nice locks." <laughs> that is awesome. Your hair is very distinct, especially with the different colors and layers and, and the curls. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would shave my head, except Lena said she'd leave me if I cut it. Driver casting told me that too. Oh, absolutely. My dad said to my wife, I'll give you $1,000 for every inch that he cuts off and keeps off. And she went, I don't think you get it. If he did that, I'd stop sleeping with him. 
<laughs> wow. All right. There's your answer. You, you're never cutting it. Never cutting it ever. Yeah. She knew how to stop him in his tracks. It was good. <laughs> so back to grad school, what are yeah. you gradding? So right now I'm a MBA student at the University of Chicago. So I graduate in June and uh, figuring out what to do afterwards. Last quarter was the time where most people are like really figuring out their full-time job plans. But I was just so wrapped up and invest in this whole survivor experience that I spent no time doing that. So now I'm going to be playing catch up in the next few months and figuring out what to do, but that's fine. No, that's great. Good luck. Good luck with that. So anything that I left out just either about survivor things or whatever else you're doing that's keeping you happy and healthy? Ooh, right now, it's just the transition back to non-survivor life. The past several months, pretty much the entire last year was like survivor. Yeah. I binge serve the only show I ever watched was Survivor because I was always studying, taking notes, trying to figure out how to play better, then playing Survivor and then prepping for the premiere and then watching it through and reading everything online and just get it. So now I'm excited to finally get a little bit of a breath, be like, okay, I can focus now a little bit on figure out what my career is. I can rehang out with like my friends that I've had to stop seeing for a while because I've been like in Fiji, I've been doing all these watch events and just not being able to spend as much time in Chicago and with, with family too in San Jose. So I'm uh, really excited to just like get back to things and figure out what the move is from here. And it's an exciting time because I didn't think I would be here. After all of that deprivation, what was your first meal when you got back? Oh, okay. <laughs> My first actual meal that I got when when we got back was In-N-Out. We went as a cast. We stopped it because we flew into LAX. We went to In-N-Out. A lot of the cast had never had In-N-Out before. So we were like, okay, you want to get some double? You want to get double? You want to get animal style fries? And then you want to get a, a milkshake. So we did that. But the first real food that I had was actually the last day on Survivor. The final three, you get this amazing breakfast. And they bring out this tray. And it was like food for eight people. They had like literally 12 bananas. They had like over a dozen different pastries. They had a, a liter of pancake mix. They had bacon. They had a whole like over a dozen eggs. And we ate the entire thing, like three people <laughs> with me, this girl named Dee, who's 5'2", and then Jake, who's similar size to me. But like we destroyed the entire thing. And we were, yeah. So that was amazing. That breakfast was the best thing. We had some champagne and orange juice too. Uh, they had a bunch of toast. Oh, I think back of that day a lot. <laughs> so that, which raised the obvious question, what was your weight going in? What was your weight coming out? Going in, so I lost 20 pounds. I, I went in, one, 185 came out like one, 165. Gained it back within a month yeah. and a half. Because yeah. that was one thing. Coming back, I had this psychological need to eat everything in front of me. So I would go to restaurants yeah. and then I'd be with two other people. I'd eat all my food. I'd be full. I'm happy. But then I notice my friends don't eat their French fries or their salad or whatever. And I can't stop looking at it. I'm trying to focus on the conversations, but my brain is just like, there's food, there's food. And I'd end up eating it too. So I very quickly gained back the weight. How long did it take for that to wear off? So I gained my weight back within a month and a half. I think the food thing lasted a little bit longer than that. And I would, I had to force myself to be like, nope, I've already gained my weight back. I'm fine. I don't need to eat more, but I think it lasted for two, three months. Yeah. That talking your brain out of something is a weird thing. Just FYI, or for whatever it's worth, I had something like that. Lane and I did an anniversary vacation. We went to Cuba. And yeah. so we went to a cigar tobacco farm where they then of course make cigars. I'd never had a cigar before. And so I have one of these Cuban cigars. And after doing that, we're on the bus heading somewhere. And I started arguing with my brain. My brain is because 
I got really pleasantly high from that cigar. Yeah. Different kind of high that I've ever had. And I, and not like I don't do drugs, but unlike anything I've ever experienced. Uh-huh. And and my brain is saying, you got to get some more of those cigars. And I'm saying, yeah, the taste was horrible. And that kind of high, that's the kind of thing I really easily get attached to. This is not a good idea. Yeah. No, seriously, just go get another, just get a case of them. No big deal. I'm literally arguing with my brain. Oh my gosh. A yeah. Of days. So there's that part, but there's other one that just, you'll obviously relate to. You had a longer version of this. I did a glucose tolerance test in a hospital where they literally injected 150 cc's of sugar into my veins and my blood sugar force spikes like crazy. Then they gave me a little bit of insulin, half of what they should have given me to see how quickly I came back down. And when my blood sugar got down to 40, I tapped out and I ate six, whatever they are, frozen breakfast kind of things. I can't remember the healthy harvest or whatever they were. And like five things of orange juice. And for the next week, to your point... I ate everything I could get my hands on. My brain was going, you almost died from not eating. So you have to eat everything. Wow. So you had a a more, a longer term, slightly more, a a different kind of intense version of that same thing. But But, it's fascinating. You put your brain uh, in that situation and it does not like it. Exactly. You can be as full as like you could possibly be and still want to eat more food, which is such a weird feeling. It's really weird. You're sitting there going, I am not in control of this thing. Watch yourself eat the fries. (laughs) Yep. Yep. But at least we both got over it. That's what matters. You yeah. Know? Yesterday we were brunch and there was some fries going around and if <laughs> by me, I couldn't say no, but that's different because fries, potato chips, I, I have no willpower. I'm yeah. very well oh, aware of that. Mine is desserts, the brownies, the cookies. Oh. If you're ever uh, this way in plus or minus Denver, the restaurant we went to is called D bar and D stands for a number of things. But one of the things that stands for arguably is dessert and they make the best desserts I've ever had. I had a long talk with the owner yesterday because I've been going to this place since the day they opened and they have a chocolate layer cake that is by far the best thing anybody that I know has ever eaten. And he was talking to me about it. We were both chocolate freaks. And he said, the icing on the cake costs more than a prime rib. What? Yeah. I need to, I need to try this now. It's oh it, it, There's different kinds of, there's different, three different varieties of cacao beans and the rarest and most amazing one is the bean is called Criollo and it's the ones from Madagascar are the killer. And so it's Criollo, Madagascar Criollo as part of the icing and it is spectacular. Yeah. All so right. my, my treat when you come. Down. I'm coming to Denver then. <laughs> yeah. Just, just get on a plane today. I'll, I was there yesterday. Yeah. I'll, I'll go tonight. It's not a problem. Yeah. They've got the frontier headquarters in Denver, right? I was actually thinking of doing their little annual pass thing. So maybe oh, there you go. You know where to find me. Yeah. Uh, well, Austin, once again, first of all, congratulations. Just to be on, just to endure being on the show at all and walk away uh, as a sane human being is quite an accomplishment, let alone second place, which is nothing to sneeze at. That's, it's a big deal. And so congrats on that. Thanks for sharing the whole story. It's been a total pleasure. If people do want to track you down, should say things, uh, arguably nice things, where will they find you? Oh, yeah. So I guess I, I have uh, Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is just awesomely coon. And then, Twitter, I actually don't remember the handle, but I think it's either that or something similar. And just so people know, it's Austin Lee, A-U-S-T-I-N-L-I-C-O-N. Yeah, they will, hopefully people will find you and say wonderful things. And hopefully if you guys haven't seen the show, go watch it. It's again, I haven't gotten to see every episode because it's been crazy busy around here. But the couple that I watched were again, that kind of thing. Wow, this is amazing. And uh, thank God I'm not doing that. (laughs) Uh, What I think most people, they're going to watch it be like, this is amazing. I need to do this. You're in one or two boats. They're extremes. I know my limits is what I'm saying. That's fair. fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
but because, I highly recommend it. Because, but this is the other part. If I did it, I'd be the oldest guy ever on the show, I think. I'm pushing 62. Uh, What's they, the oldest? So season one, they had someone in their 70s. They've had it oh, a couple right. times. But, I mean, you're a very fit. Yeah, like, I think you would do excellent. Except for the not eating part, man. I don't handle that one. Yeah, you, you, you numb out. You know, it's tough days five and six and you numb out until day 10 and then it's really bad. But then after that, then it gets good. Yeah, it gets bad. Then it gets really bad. Then it's only a little bad. Then it's bad. <laughs> yeah. and then it's, it's only medium bad. And yeah, it's bad. Oh, but then like when you get, because sometimes you win a reward and you get a feast and that's right. like the best day of your life ever. <laughs> and it's like, you're just eating and you're so happy and you're laughing together. And it's just, it's the most amazing thing. And it's yeah. worth the time. That's that's how they get you. Stockholm syndrome, baby. So <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for everyone else. Thank you as well. Just a reminder, head over to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. Previous episodes, places you can find us on social media, other places you can find the podcast if you want to find somewhere else. And of course, if you have any comments, questions, re- requests, recommendations, people who should be on the show. As I always say, I'm still looking to have a nice conversation with someone who thinks I have cranial rectal reorientation syndrome. You can drop me an email, just send it to move, M-O-V-E, at jointhemovementmovement.com. But most importantly, just go out, have fun, and live life feet first.